people are embarrassed to own where they're really at. I've got 30 years sobriety and I'm scared. I've got fear going on in my life. I've got 20 years sobriety and my wife wants me out of the house. I've got 10 years of sobriety and everybody's happy, joyous and free. And I go home and secretly want to commit suicide. We don't talk about that. And what are we really talking about here? Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hello, everybody. That was the voice of Mr. Joe Mick that you heard here on the beginning of this here episode number 262. And you will indeed be hearing so much more from him in un momento, but first things first, this episode is coming out to you and brought to you by Karen and Michelle and Sherry and Lou and Adrian and Todd and Kurt and Terry and Joshua and Jason and Audrey and Mary Lynn and Anonymous. Keep in mind, I've been traveling here for a couple of weeks with work and I need to get caught up. But if you are listening for the first time and you say to yourself, what in the heck? What? You, you do that with a high voice. You go, what in the heck did Karen and Michelle and Sherry and Lou and Adrian and Todd and Kurt and Terry and Joshua and Jason and Audrey and Mary Lynn and Mr. No, oops, I let us slip there. I said Mr. Anonymous. Well, I guess I just eliminated half of the people on the planet. But anyway, what did they do? What did the aforementioned do? I just like saying that word sometimes, aforementioned do, to get mentioned here on the beginning of this here episode. Well, they went to our little website, soberspeak.com, soberspeak.com. I realize I've had people say, tell me before I say that a little too fast. I don't know why, but anyway, uh, superspeak.com and they clicked on a little yellow donate tab. And guess what? They made a little contribution. So thank you so much, Karen and Michelle and Sherry and Lou and Adrian and Todd and Kurt and Terry and Joshua and Jason and Audrey and Mary Lynn and Mr. Anonymous. This here episode is coming right out to Ewan's. All right, so I want to go ahead and get uh, started with our episode today. And that is Mr. Joe Muck. 
I know you're going to like, I know you're going to love this one. Uh, The name of this here episode is Surviving the Dark Side of Spiritual Growth. Okay, so in this episode, and you can maybe tell from that opening clip that I played, Joe focuses primarily on those in sobriety that are 10, maybe 20, 30, or even more years sober, and they are embarrassed about discussing where sometimes they have ended up in life. In other words, um, they say to themselves, you know, why am I still making these types of mistakes? Uh, and, and Joe talks about that at length. There's a few acronyms that Joe brought up during this here episode. One was HOGS, H-O-G-S, and that is helping others grow spiritually. Uh, another one is PIGS. <laughs> I guess he's in the farm animals. I don't know. Well, not like into farm animals. Uh, you know what I mean. Anyway, uh, pigs, and it says people interested in growing spiritually. Uh, another one is rad. It's responsibility, accountability, and discipline. And Joe also refers to himself as uh, at one time busted, disgusted, and not to be trusted. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, Joe talks about the definition of an AA bum, uh, the analogy of, a ca- of the California Redwoods as it relates to Alcoholics Anonymous, the third step covenant that we make, Sister Ignatia, an emotional maturity test, and so much more. This one is chock full of nuts. So sit back, enjoy, and we will have plenty of... Listener feedback at the end of this here episode. Enjoy. Okay, everybody. So today we're sitting here again with Mr. Joe Muck. So Joe, why don't you go ahead? By the way, I don't know if anybody else calls you Joe Mick. I, I just don't know how else to do it. I, I, I'll let you introduce yourself however you want to do it. But why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and then tell people where you live in this land of ours. Hello, everyone. My name is Joe McFadden. I'm a very grateful alcoholic, and my sobriety date is June 14th, 1993. And I'm here reporting for duty from the beautiful island of Galveston in Texas. (laughs) Reporting for duty. And you call your higher power, what's the name you call him? Boss. Boss, right. One day you told me, uh, we we were talking about there was like a day or so before and we were going back and forth on text. And uh, I was asking you if there's anything in particular you wanted to talk about. And you said, I don't know, let me check with the boss and I'll get back to you. And I thought you meant your wife. (laughs) She's mid management. (laughs) You know, I I, I always want to be the uh, run the show and everything, but I always end up being an out of work actor that wants to be a, a a director that ends up being a producer of confusion <laughs> rather than harmony. So I am assured that my only job in life is to be a support supporting cast member. That's it. And and maybe try to win an Academy Award for making other people look good. 
I'll have a happy life when I remember that. I hear you, my friend. I hear you. So I want to ask you first, beside, behind you, and I don't know if this is new or I've never seen it before, but there is a, I don't know if you call it a license plate or something that says trudge up above your head. What is that? Oh, I'm glad you noticed that. That is my personalized license plate for my motorcycle. I have two oh. gold wings, one in um, at our mountain home, then one here on the island. And um, I switch them on them. Very. Says trudge, as you, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happiness. Right, right. So have you ever had anybody stop you and ask All you about All the time. Gotcha. Um, and it makes me drive a lot better. <laughs> makes me <laughs> drive like a sober person. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So I, I also, I want to talk on the beginning of this about kind of some of the connections and how we met and, you know, the people that you meet with and, and how this all just weaves together. So originally I met you because Ricky C from my group traveled down. In fact, I think he was down there just recently, saw you again. Uh, he saw you down in that meeting. And he said, you have got to meet this guy. I was able to find some of your recordings on the internet. I listened to it, asked him if he'd give me your number. And we kind of struck up a relationship from there. And then you referred me to a couple of guys. Number one, two guys who have recently been on the podcast or recorded them. One is uh, Jim W from down in uh, San, Antonio. Um, San Antonio, who's been sober for 65 years. That's right. And then Tim, what's Tim's last name? M. M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim M. Recently, who I recorded uh, from across the pond, and he was just a joy. And then I, it's just interesting to me how all these relationships weave together. It really is. Um, I. And all you really have to do is is ruin your life, crash and burn, have everybody in the world looking for you, wanting to kill you. And once you get busted, disgusted, not to be trusted, we got one hell of a wonderful life for you. That's all it takes. <laughs> busted, disgusted, not to be trusted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking in a meeting here just uh, a couple of days ago about this guy was telling this story about how he had, oh, he went out walking and he got hit by this car and he ended up in the hospital and, you know, he was drunk and, and then he was like, you know, get, getting up out of the hospital bed with one shoe and, and walking down to the bar and, you know, the, the hospital attendants were saying, you know, don't go out. We're all laughing about it, right? And as I guess my, my point is like in most, like if you go to Sunday school and start sharing all this. You know, I love the people in AA. They have a good sense of self-effacing humor with outgoing life of the party type personalities. You know, they're always having fun and joking together, usually at themselves. You know, there's a whole lot of healing in that. Just sitting around, telling your own stories, drinking cheap crummy coffee, listening to one another's comical past and self-imposed predicaments, and most importantly, how the program of AA, God, and sponsorship saved your bacon. You know, that's, that's alcoholics. There's a lot more 
I used to be a stepologist and an, uh, 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 wanting to get a PhD in alchemy, and you do the orthodoxy AA or you're going to be killing people and should be brought before the magistrate in the morning for accessory to murders. And I was always right, but I was always pissed off. And I just found out that there, if I let God be God and Joe be Joe, I have a very happy life. And so does most of the people around me. And the only way I know I'm not doing that is I live in a crappy world. So I got to get back to doing that. And then it, the rest of the people in the world start straightening up again. I don't know how that works. It's interesting you say that. I think a lot of people go through that, especially over the first five or 10 years. And I think it's very well-intentioned. In other words, I went through it. You, you think you, you know, somebody shows you a way to do it. And it works for you and it saves your lives. And you want to go pass that on to everybody else. And you think you know everything and you think you know the way to do it. And if, if people would just get in line with that, uh, everything would be okay. But then you kind of, you get older and I, I see you're going to say something there. What, what happens, you think? Well, I think what happens is uh, there's a subtle, uh, a negative promise, a warning in the long form of the 12th tradition. And it says this to the end that our great blessings may never spoil us and we may forever live in thoughtful contemplation under him who presides over us all. What I see is almost and, and one of the things I'd like to bear down a little bit on this uh, podcast is one of the things I'm seeing is almost of ep epidemic proportions right now. And I don't know if it has to do with COVID and, and acclimating back to in-person meetings or staying or just losing people from that. But there have been many people with uh, 10, 12, 17 years who have gone out and people with 20, 30, and even 40. I have one man with 48 years who called. They're dying. They haven't drank, but they're dying on the inside. And, you know, I always tell them that my personal experience is peace and joy are not conditions of external circumstances being OK. They are the result of an internal condition being OK. Real peace and joy are the results of an internal condition, not that of external situations. True love and tolerance is not something we find within another. True love and tolerance is something we find within ourselves and give to all others. As within, so without, so without, as within. You know, Plato said something that I always try to remind people is that a grateful mind is a great mind, which eventually attracts itself to great things. You know, if when we do our fear inventory, we'll read in a big book that fear set in motion trains the circumstances we felt we didn't deserve. That tells me there is an, a principle there that fear is a subconscious prayer for what you don't want to happen to happen. Now, what would the opposite of be? Well, if you look at the big do not in the big book, we get another hint. There's so many hints and powerful principles. Page 42 says quite as important a discovery that spiritual principles will solve all our problems. I look when I read the big book, I look for the underlying principle. Now, if fear is a subconscious prayer for what you don't want to happen, if you look at the big do not in the big book, do not be discouraged. Discouraged means to be deprived of three things, hope, confidence, and spirit. So if you have the, the courage and build defined meditation, and I'll get right back to that. I just need to insert this. Build defined meditation as constructive imagination. 
the 11th step says we constructively review our day. So if we were spending our day destructively imagining and reviewing, that's going to set in motions. What would constructive imagination? So the world of the spirit, if you have courage enough to enter it, is full of hope and confidence. What would happen if you said, I got God at my back and he's looking at me and he's watching over me and there's nothing too good for a sober alcoholic. I have a prayer I start every day with and I pray. I do a lot of 12 stepping in my 11th step. And I, I start out with this. I ask God to put myself in a position of neutrality, safe and protected, usually from my own little ideas and concepts. And I say, nothing is too good to be true. Nothing is too wonderful to happen. Nothing is too great to last. I have perfect belief in the perfect outworking of every situation in my life. For God is in ultimate control and all things are working for my good. And then I look at that and I just sit back. And I just start feeling gratitude flow in. And, you know, the beautiful thing about gratitude is gratitude comes from a Latin word called gratis. And that means thankful and pleasing. And when you, you when you feel gratitude, you're pleased with what has been done for you and by those results. And I've sa- I say this in every, every time I ever speak and or any podcast, I always say, The word slip came from slip from the grace of God. Now, when we have that grateful heart, we're putting ourselves in a position to receive that. Now, why are we all coming into this little um, where there's so many people hitting that dry spot in their sobriety? You know, we have to look at that. And there, there it is, that long form of that 12th tradition warning. This to the end that our great blessings may never spoil us. It talks about in the 10th and 11th step, resting on our laurels. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. And we, what we do is, is at this point, I'd like to bring in an analogy that, that just really works real well. And there's three layer, layers of it. When I was a kid, I'd go to my grandfather's farm. And on his farm, he had a water well out in the center of the farm. And it'd be real hot, and you'd have to walk a couple miles to get to it. And once you got to it, you had to pump it a few times, four or five. And then all of a sudden, that water would gush out, and you get that fresh water all over you. Well, whenever we're hitting that uh, brief periods of recovery, followed always still by worse relapse, which in time leads to pitiful and comprehensible demoralization. And that intensity, duration, and frequency of alcohol working for us starts to go down to where eventually we can't get there. And when we're at page 152, we can't imagine life without or without it. We're at that jumping off place. Well, we come into AA and we'll go to a meeting. Nothing happens. We pump that pump once. We go to another meeting. This time we get a sponsor. We pump that well again. We read the big book. We pray. We pump it a third time. Then we take the steps and pump that well fourth time. And all of a sudden the water gushes out. And then we've got eight more steps to do. And boy, that water's going where it's great. We can't, uh, we're in the land of milk and honey. Everybody and everything is wonderful. Just huggy, kissing. Mm, I love you, love you, love you. Oh, there's a newcomer. Oh, I love the old timers. Oh, you know, we're like Hallmark recovery cards. Everything's wonderful. <laughs> and, and, and then what usually happens is, you know, we stop pumping. Here are the steps 
we we uh, took, which are suggested as a program of recovery, we stopped took it. So then we stopped pumping. And here's how we stopped pumping. I'm not going to go to the meeting. I'll miss it. You know, it says on page 19, a much more important demonstration of these principles are in a respective home life occupation. Better. I'm page 19 in it. Then all of a sudden your sponsor calls. Oh, he's a know-it-all bastard. It's all, he doesn't even have a life. All you say, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you say, I'm not going to answer the phone. And then your sponsor's call. Oh, he's just whiny. He never listens to me anyway. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, your wife's pissed off at you. Your kids hate you. You're almost getting fired. Then what happens? Then that's where everybody's starting to come in at right now. They're either they've already done the inevitable and they've taken a drink, or we had one with 10 years uh, commit suicide a few weeks ago. Or you come in and we got the 12 pumps of AA and you pump that steps one through 12. And what we did is we, we did a sort of like a spiritual autopsy of a relapse of, of several of these people. We got together. And we found out what happened was in the civil rights movement, they had a saying called keep the main thing, the main thing. And what happened was they weren't keeping the main thing, the main thing. The fruits that sobriety gave them more became more important than the sobriety that made them possible. They always told me, and this is a truth, and I have experience with this, is if you make AA number one in your life, everything you make number two will be first class. You need to learn to build your life around AA, not AA around your life. And you're headed for trouble when you do that. So what, what happened is they were resting on their laurels and their past accomplishments, which is where that word comes from. And they didn't have three things. We, we narrowed it down to three things. Responsibility, accountability, and discipline. Now, responsibility is like having a home group and setting up, making coffee, going to a detox, having a service job in AA. Don't be an AA bum. I got mine. You go get yours. <laughs> Screw you. That's the most selfish thing in the world a guy can do. Uh, gratitude. We, we'll measure your gratitude. We'll listen to how grateful you are with our eyes. And you don't have to go around and ask somebody, hey, are you grateful? You'll see the, the, the twinkle in their eye and the happiness in their voice. You'll know. And then the other one is accountability. You know, the two things I wanted more than anything else in my life were I wanted a, a uh, intimacy and vulnerability. And the only way to get that is to have accountability and transparency with our sponsor. So I had to have a sponsor. I do a nightly review every night. In fact, um, I received from uh, a, a lot of nightly reviews and corrective measures, 11 step uh, from guys I sponsor and the guys they sponsor. And then the discipline is, and this one's a real important. Why should I go to this meeting every week? I know every person there. I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to say. It's a bunch of crying. You know, here's the deal is we have to acclimate to that. Something happens when I go there and I just all of a sudden I hear me through them. And then all of a sudden, the magic of Alcoholics Anonymous happens. What happened to me at 23 years sober, I went through what is called the dark night of the soul. At 23 years sober, I've heard of people going through it, but I've never experienced it as bad as what I, I had. It was where I, I, I was a circuit speaker. I had 
uh, I think it was 17. It, w- it happened in like uh, May and I had 17 more conferences I was speaking at that year. And I, I, I went through, I lost my sponsor and my wife. I got in a lawsuit with a member in my home group. We told him he couldn't come because of his behavior with the young girls there. And he sued me. The oil plummeted and I lost my job and my uh, thyroid cancer. I had it spread and it came back. I had those five things going on in my life. And I tell you, some people call it Gethsemane consciousness. I, I was really, really in a bad place and my life was falling apart. But I'm here to tell you that page 100 tells us when you're going through it, you don't see it. It's when we look back, we realize that things that came to us, if we persist, when we look back, we realize are better than anything we could have ever imagined. And I wrote something I'd like to share with you that really made a difference. And I, and, and I, 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 every time I share this, I usually get people who it's really touched and it, it it was I I'd pray I give a billion dollars never if I had a billion dollars never to have gone through it. And I, but I give that same billion dollars back not to have missed this gift. Getting free of things involves endless internal surrenders, letting go of limiting beliefs that block you and others from the source of all good. This surrender often looks like a nervous breakdown as it involves letting loose of some of the innermost protective mechanisms we have devised to avoid this painful process. One often feels vulnerable to every possible nightmare and fear imagined. You know, someone once told me that sometimes a spiritual awakening and a nervous breakdown look an awful lot alike. (laughs) But it says this is part of the process. In this dark, internal, barren wilderness, The real you is finally coming to surface. This is not a death. It is a rebirth of all spirituality, which is to say all good. Christians call it being saved or reborn, as page 63 tells us. This horrific and intense but quite necessary time of grieving is a pruning, purification, cleansing time of your soul. Resist not this evil, for it is making room for tremendous spiritual gifts for one to bring back and heal others with. Let it all come up and out. You know, what I found out through that, John, was life comes at us alcoholics at point blank range, but the spiritual life is only understood in height and sight. And that's where that page 100 comes from. And my life has a lot of of, uh, value to people all over because I've experienced that I come on the other side of it better than anything I could have ever imagined. Um, You've heard of the analogy of the Redwoods, right? I have not actually. Well, I heard it. I forgot it, which is very possible. Well, what happens is when, when everyone comes, uh, we start talking and we we get them on this, this circle in the triangle, unity, service, recovery, mind, body, spirit, steps, traditions, uh, concepts, unity, service, recovery, home, occupation, and affairs. So now we've got a multi-dimensional circle and triangle, and we kind of see where are we at. And it's what always seems to happen is we've drifted away. 
And I use the analogy of the California Redwoods because it just it's so wonderful. And 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 then uh, before we end the podcast, I, I would like to talk about a li- just a little bit about the group I've got of the guys I sponsor. There's between 50 and 70 of us. We're called the Slow Learners Group of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we're slow learners, but faster forgetters. We're all. Uh, and and so anyway, uh, back to the Redwoods. A redwood, as you know, grows something like between 250 and 325 feet or more in height. And they have a circumference of uh, like 30, 30, uh, what is it, 90 feet and 30 feet in diameter. They're huge. And they never grow alone. They grow in circular clusters. And the reason for that is that they have short roots and they all have to hover around each other and intertwine with one another. Otherwise, when the winds and the storms, say like an alcoholic's wind of storms of their alcoholic emotions and their lives and their tendency, there'd be self-pity and recreational depression and emotions just blowing. They cannot stand. If they were alone, if the California Redwoods were alone and those winds came, they would topple from the splendor of their own magnificence. So what we do is when someone comes over and and they're they're toppling in there, we go back to a couple things. Is the first thing is uh, Bill wrote this in and in, in, um, in 1947, and he says with each passing year, we increasingly realize the immense importance of adequately adequately presenting program to every new prospect who is in the least inclined to listen. Many of us feel this to be our greatest obligation to him and our failure to do so our greatest dereliction. The difference between a good approach and a bad one can mean life or death to those who seek our help. You know, and when he spent that time at Dr. Bob's and he met Sister um, Ignatia, who is my favorite AA um, a person in history. You know, Sister Ignatia shared with Bill that she viewed the alcoholic as a sick person who was spiritually orphaned. She created a caring atmosphere of love and support, a spiritual home in which the patients could retreat to find or regain a sense of self-worth. Seen through the eyes of an accepting substitute family of co-sufferers, patients were not judged or demeaned for their shortcomings. Her spiritual insight into alcoholics and her care was simple. She told Bill Wilson, Bill, I feel as though these people run away from God. I tell them we're all God's children. Her advice to the alcoholics was simple. Just tell him in your own words that you have made a mess of your life and ask him if he won't take it over from here. And that's how that's what was behind us starting the um, slow learners group, and we've got so a once format. Again, we, we, the name of it is the, the slow, slow learners. learners, faster forgetters. That's right, <laughs> and we're a bunch of pigs. P I G S. People interested in growing spiritually, and how do we grow spiritually? We perfect and enlarge our spiritual life through constant work and sacrifice for others. Why? So we can turn them into hogs. H O G S. Helping others grow spiritually. Most importantly, we're slow learners and fast forgetters. 
Um, and we have a meeting that we go to every week. And why do we have it every week? Because repetition strengthens and confirms and a working faith becomes habitual. And then we quote two things. We quote Paul Martin. He, he's gone now, but Paul was an incredible. I used to talk to Sandy Beach a lot about him. Sandy, it was his favorite AA member. He wrote a lot of stuff in um, in the grapevine and Paul was a great. But something that he told me um, stuck with me. And he said that he attended meetings re regularly and on Wednesdays and Saturdays mornings in working the, the steps. He said the, the members there at those groups are committed to working the steps and re, this is a key, reworking the steps. He said the worst advice that he ever got in AA was to work the first nine once and then attempt to exist on 10, 11, and 12. He said that nearly killed him. In 1963, he was 16 years sober. He heard a suggestion that there's great benefit in redoing all of the steps. It turned out to be absolutely correct. And in his experience, the AAs who continue to work all of the steps do not suffer from depression, anxiety, apathy, boredom, and similar symptoms. Now, to quote this, just take it a little step further, to quote uh, AA comes of age. The single act of surrender can produce sobriety by its stopping effect upon the ego. Unfortunately, that ego will return unless the individual learns to accept a disciplined way of life, which means that a tendency for ego comeback is permanently checked. This is not new to AA members. They have learned that a single surrender is not enough. Under the wise leadership of the founding fathers, the need for continued endeavor to maintain the miracle has been steadily stressed. And I think that we miss that. I think we miss that. I think that people are embarrassed to own where they're really at. I've got 30 years sobriety and I'm scared. I've got fear going on in my life. I've got 20 years sobriety and my wife wants me out of the house. I've got 10 years of sobriety and everybody's happy, joyous and free. And I go home and secretly want to commit suicide. We don't talk about that. And what are we really talking about here? Bill wrote, and he never really did much more after he wrote that pamphlet on the next frontier, emotional sobriety. There was a wonderful, wonderful circuit speaker named Tom Brady. And he was a college professor of psychology. And he, he really was a good member of Alcoholics Anonymous. He gave me something. It's, it's an emotional immaturity test. <laughs> and I'll just run through. Do I have time to run through? A yeah, of course. Yeah. Is do you accept criticism? Well, are you usually hurt or angered by criticism? Do you have difficult time accepting compliments? Do others think more highly of you than you do of yourself? Do you depend on others to make you feel good about yourself? Does what others say about you duly or unduly disproportionately affect your feelings and beliefs about yourself? Do you often do a good job and know it, yet you don't feel good about it? There's there's like 21 of those questions. And then what he said, to put it briefly, a continued sense of uneasiness, continually putting yourself down, seeking approval, acceptance, and emotional security from someone and or something else, feeling like a victim, blaming others when you're you're insatiable, which means unsatisfied, needs aren't met, 
trying to control and possess another or others to ensure the fulfillment of your needs. If you answer to the affirmative to some of these questions, you're probably emotionally immature to some degree. And this is unconscious, automatic, and habitual, almost as instinctual response based on your internal values, beliefs, perceptions, feelings, and experiences. That's what dictates our behavior, our character. It operates below the level of consciousness. Old tapes in our head start playing and we're not even aware of it. When it shows up, it doesn't give a clear picture of itself. We say like, they push my buttons. If this has convicted you in any way, please surrender to your present, your present condition and join AA again by starting with step one. You see, here's the thing. We have to see when I get these phone calls and, and I'll say this, we have 70 guys and it's all the people that I sponsor and they sponsor. We have somewhere between 70 and 100 from 11 different countries. And we look at this. Where are we at? And what we find is fear. We have to see the truth and the lie in order to see the, the lie and the truth. We have to look at these and they're not old ideas if we're still operating on, on them. We have to look at fear-based beliefs create fear-based thoughts. Fear-based thoughts create fear-based actions. Fear-based actions create fear-based consequences. Now, how do you reverse that? Well, there we are again. Fear, 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 fear. And I love Father Tom's acronym for fear is forgetting everything's all right. Would it? I remember I got an old timer when I was new. I came home from a conference, said, kid, when you get home, put this on your mirror. And I put it on my mirror and it says you're looking at the problem. And I was also looking at the solution. You see, if other people are your problems, we can't do anything for you in Alcoholics Anonymous. Page 62 and 103 says our troubles are of our own making. We are uh, extreme examples of self-will run right, although we usually don't think so. When these guys call me hitting this second surrender, this second bottom, I just say, I I'd like to help you, but I can only help alcoholics. I said, what do you mean? You, you know, I've shared with you my fist step. I know, but your troubles are other people's making. I can't help you. If your troubles were of your own making, we got a hell of a life waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And then they don't usually think it's funny at that time. <laughs> they laugh about it later. <laughs> So I want to, I want to go back to, um, the, um, first of all, uh, before I go on to what I wanted to go back to, um, you're talking about that meeting where you meet with folks. How often do you guys, uh, every I, Friday yeah. at 7am and it's just for the guys I sponsor and the guys they sponsor and gals, we have women, we opened it up to the women too. Now, here's here's the deal. If you want the format, I'd be more than happy to send it to you. My email address and my phone number, I'll give them both to you. It's Grandpa Texas. My grandkids call me Grandpa Texas. It's G-R-A-N-D-P-A-T-E-X-A-S at gmail.com. Grandpa Texas. And then my phone number is 432-249-2614. I made a deal with God, you know, the third step covenant. When I was in the state hospital getting shock treatments and no one would have anything to do with me, I said, God, if you ever get me out of this jam and get me back to the sacred hollow grounds and rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And when I took the third step, my sponsor explained that my life was no longer mine and that there was a third step covenant. I don't go to work for myself or for anybody who signs my checks. I go to work for God. He's my employer. 
And if I stay close to him, he'll provide what I need. And established on that footing, I've got one hell of a wonderful life. And he's done a lot better on his end of the bargain than I ever have. But, you know, like I said, I'm a slow learner. But the thing is, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. I got my helmet on. I don't even know the rules. But I'll jump off the top turnbuckle and give today a big fat lip. I'm going to have fun. (laughs) The third step covenant. I like that. I like that a lot. So if anybody wants the format to that meeting that you're describing, uh, just go ahead and reach out to Joe. Absolutely. Um, so you had mentioned there about um, receiving, I guess those are inventories from guys you sponsor and uh, and maybe guys they sponsor and et cetera, uh, and women as well. Uh, does are you are you receiving that like uh, like in a daily text or something like that or email? I get them both. I I get them on WhatsApp. Um, I get it on Signal. I get it on emails, and and it's just it's just very it's the questions from um, uh, the uh, eleven step, and I'm just opening up. Obviously, I'm not going to read it to you, but I will say: Was I resentful, selfish, dishonest, afraid? Do I own an apology? Have I kept something myself that should be discussed at once? Was I kind and loving towards all? What could I have done better? Was I thinking of my myself most of the day? Was I thinking of others of what I could pack into? What corrective measures should I should be taken? And then I have them do a gratitude list. Yeah. Very cool. And so you just kind of, you document that electronically, kind of share it with each other, uh, keeps everybody as part of that accountability that you talked about. The accountability, and then they call three litter mates every day. Litter they mates. call three. Usually it's the bitch about me. You know, that some bitch told me, God, he is just, so, you know, one of them said, you know, he knows that big book. He's got that, that almost memorized. Per, he's read everything in that big book, but one thing. Love and tolerance of others. He's forgot about that. He's so mean. He comforts us when we're afflicted and flicks us when they're comfortable and laughs about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, Joe. I love it. Wow. So <clears throat> this thing has been chock full of nuts. I, I don't even know where to go with it, but it's great, right? And well, you know what they say, nuts, N-U-T-S, not using the steps, steps, S-T-E-P-S, solutions to every problem sober. So whatever, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know the listeners are going to enjoy this one. Good. Is there any parting thoughts you want to leave us with, the listeners with? Anything come to mind? Oh, let's see if I can get this right. God, God bless Hal Looney. He, you know, and 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 Nancy Hyde, uh, they had two nuggets. Nancy's my favorite one was she said, once you admit your cuckoo, you're halfway out the clock. She says, that's all you need to know about the second step. <laughs> and Hal Looney said something and he was he had the longest sobriety of Hector County out in Midland and, and Odessa, Texas. He said, um, it don't matter what you've done. It don't matter where you've been. It's what you're doing today that matters. Now come on in. This is the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. <laughs> so that's from uh, that's a that's a song from like uh, uh, this, oh gosh, isn't that a song? 
Uh, I, I've only heard Hal Looney say that. He he okay. just loved he loved whiskey and them dirty legged women. <laughs> <laughs> dirty legged. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he was a character. I've heard the women say that they like those hairy legged men, but I've never heard the. Uh, <laughs> he said dirty legged women. <laughs> he said at the beer joints he'd go to, they take off their shoes and dance all night for whiskey. oh i love it you know sobriety is is kind of like life if you ain't it's kind of like sex if you ain't enjoying it you're doing something wrong well i can tell you lucy hates it when i speak at a convention and say that she's always embarrassed (laughs) but i say this is when i heard that that sobriety is like sex if you ain't enjoying it you're doing something wrong i remember the first time i ever had sex uh, I, it scared me to death, ladies and gentlemen. Right. It scared me to death. It was uh, dark and it was cold. And and for God's sakes, I was all alone. Uh, but you see, yeah. the point is in Alcoholics <laughs> Anonymous that the old timers are making when they say that is you never have to be alone unless you want to screw yourself. Thank you. <laughs> okay. That's a good way to end it. <laughs> yeah, I'd hope so. <laughs> I hope so. All right. Page 164 from the big book. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, like me and Joe Muck, as you trudge the road of happy destiny, like as the license plate says up above him. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, Mr. Joe, thanks for joining me today. I sure do appreciate it. As always, thank you, Joe Muck, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with the listeners. Uh, If you enjoyed that, and who would not enjoy that, and you think that there is a friend or a family member who can benefit from that episode or some of the other episodes, go ahead and pause your device, share it with another friend or family member, and it may be just what they need today. All right now. All right now. All right now. What about? I guess like I did. Uh, somehow I went into a little uh, Matthew McConaughey. All right. All right. All right. Uh, without even thinking about it. All right. All right. All right. Now we're going into a little bit of a listener feedback. Gilbert writes in. Gilbert. You know I. I don't know why, but as I'm saying that. <laughs> Things pop up in my head. I'm so sorry. Uh, and isn't that the name? Uh, there was a show, I think it was in the 1950s, and there was a horse named Mr. Ed. And I think he <laughs> I think he had a friend or something named Gil- Oh no, no, no. You know what? It's not Gilbert. It's Wil Wilbur. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> He would say something like, Wilbur. (laughs) So it had nothing to do with Gilbert. And I'm so sorry, Gilbert. Uh, This, (laughs) the television show from the 1950s has absolutely nothing to do with you. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it's where my little pea brain went. Anyway, Gilbert, not Wilbur, wrote in and he says, Hi, John M. Thank you for accepting me to the Facebook group. Well, Gilbert, the... Am I having to watch myself not say Wilbur? <laughs> I almost said Wilbur. Anyway, um, he says, uh, well, thank you for accepting me to the fa- Facebook group. Well, Gilbert, the honor is indeed all mine. He says, I'm an alcoholic living in Houston, Texas. I'm a wannabe full-time artist, an actual uh, full-time office lackey. L-A-C-K-E-Y. I'm sure that's a term. I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, like latchkey, like when I was a kid or whatever. But anyway, anyway, it says, I've been in AA since October of 2018. I had a slip a little over six months ago, got back in the program, and it's been stronger for me as a result. Good for you, Wilbert. (laughs) I just... Wilbert, <laughs> I com- poor guy. I'm so sorry. But I just combined <laughs> Wilbur and Gilbert together. Oh gosh! But I, I am happy for you, Gilbert, and your sobriety. He says I came across your podcast on Spotify, maybe Spotify, maybe a month ago. Just a random search for AA. I've only listened to a few of the recent episodes, but I love them all so far, especially Paula P, Ken D, Tim F, and John Henry in particular, just to name a few. I love the work you do, and I look forward to exploring the podcast some more. Keep it up, Gilbert. Are well, after that, you may not, you may just drop out, Gilbert, and I would not blame you. But anyway, thank you so much. Sue writes in, and Sue says, Hi, John, I'm living in Illinois, just outside of Chicago. I'm just over a year sober and three months into AA. I heard you mention the group on today's podcast. I've only listened to a handful of shows so far, but I like the vibe. By the way, this if you want to find, if you're interested in this, the Facebook group, go to Facebook, search up Sober Speak Secret Group, ask for admission in there, and we will get you on in. And she says, I'm always looking for speakers, podcasts, books, etc. that can teach me and I can get support. As I am relatively new to this life, new outlooks are always helpful. Thank you so much for what you do, Sue W. Well, thank you, Sue. Thanks for writing in and thanks for listening. Kathleen writes in and the subject line is love your show. She says, hi, John, I just found your podcast through a friend. I wanted to tell you or I wanted to I wanted to tell you thank you for what you're doing with your show. I listened to Brian P today. Fantastic. Take care, Kathleen. Thanks, Kathleen. And I'm glad you enjoyed Mr. Brian P. He is absolutely fantastic. Kimberly writes in. Kimberly and the reason I'm kind of pronouncing it that way, by the way, I'm, I'm like doing like a little hula hoop thing with my hips as I'm saying it. Uh, not that that matters to you. You'll never see it, but I don't know why. Is that Kimberly kind of going around and around? Uh, her, which Kimberly spells her, her, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> her last name, L-I-E, and it just, I don't know why, it just made me say it that way. She says, hi, John, my name is Kimberly, and I was tuned in via podcast. I have six months sobriety today so far and seven years in and out of recovery. Well, congratulations on both the six months and the, uh, you know, uh, let's just congratulate you for the six months. The only thing I've ever done different, the, the only thing I've done different this time after a relapse at one or two, uh, at one year was keep coming back and get into the service and do the steps. Well, that was the only thing I did, right, Kimberly? Kimberly, I can definitely understand. She says, I'm doing my best to keep a positive news feed into my head. And on this one, it's been easier this time. I have five children who are in foster with my sister. I have been trying hard every time. I have been trying hard every time to build a better me. Hoping things stay in the moment of surrender. I have decided to stay in every day. Thanks for your podcast. They help. Well, God bless you and God bless you and your family, Kimberly. And I hope things uh, uh, keep uh, trending in the right direction for you. Carrie writes in and Carrie says, John, I'm listening to your podcast, which I have on all night, but I do, uh, I do fall asleep eventually, laugh out loud. Right now, it's episode number 249. Anyway, chuckling after you said that you took some sort of medication but shouldn't change your sobriety date, which of course is true. Uh, but did make me think of a statement someone said in one of my Minnesota meetings to another who had relapsed. He said, you are starting, you aren't starting over. You have a new story to tell. That's a good way to look at it. Uh, I started to say Kimberly. God, I can't keep that. <laughs> Kimberly, uh, Carrie, that is a very good way to look at it. So let me say that again. You aren't starting over. You have a new story to tell. She says, I love that. I'd never heard it before. So less defeating for someone. You're right. Love, obviously, your podcast, and I share it with many carries. She said, P.S., I listen to your podcast every night. I can't believe I must have missed this episode. I'm not sure what, exactly what that means, but I'm glad you're listening to the podcast every night, Carrie. God bless you. Beth writes in and Beth says, hi, John. So a little about myself. I live in Suki, British Columbia, S-O-O-K-E, Souk, Suki. Uh, and I now have been sober since May 1st of 2018 from all alcohol and substances. I found Sober Speak by looking for more talks by Katie P. I've learned so much listening to her and Charlie. Many thanks for your podcast, Beth H. Well, thank you, Beth H. And I'm glad uh, that uh, uh, Katie P drew you in. She's an absolute rock. She's incredible. I love her. Rachel writes in, and Rachel says, Hello, John. I am a grateful recovering member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I listen to Sober Speak while I work. I listened to a few more current episodes when I first found Sober Speak. Then I decided to start at the beginning. So, 
every day I work with an earbud in listening to sober speak. Yes, just one earbud so I can hear my environment. <laughs> well, good. I don't want to get you. Uh, I don't want this to be a safety issue. You listening to me? So I'm glad you can hear your environment. Your laugh is cheerful and needed in this world. Your calm, welcoming demeanor makes the show easy to listen to. Well, thank you. Bill C. and Matthew M. are two of my favorites, but Julia K., Brenda J., and Jennifer H. K. shares have changed my life. It's hard to put into word what your show means to me and my recovery. Oh, that's very nice. Very nice of you. She says, I struggle with ADHD, so I listen to you while I work, and it helps to keep me focused. How about that? She says, just another tool in the toolbox. It's a bit rusty, but getting clean back up. My toolbox, I mean. She says, I got sober for the first time when I was 15 and stayed that way for about four years. Then, you have heard the story before, boy meets girl on AA campus. Yes, I have, Rachel. Uh, They get married and eventually relapse. Uh, It's a tale as old as time with me needing 20 more years of proving that I really belong in AA. I came home where I thrive no longer, but I just survive. Oh, I came home where I no longer thrive or uh, no longer where I thrive no longer just survive. I think she means I Anyway, you get the idea. I'm sorry. I'm probably messing this all up, Rachel. She says, we have an amazing AA community in Bend. Now, I don't think she said what state she's from. I know there's Bend in, isn't Bend, isn't that where Notre Dame is or something? Uh, Bend, uh, I got that right. But anyway, I am incredibly blessed to have a supportive home, uh, a home group called Fleeting Thoughts. I like that fleeting thoughts. We meet seven days a week at 5.30 with a Sunday first step focus meeting. Today, I have just over 17 months sober one day at a time. I am a new grandmother with a fellowship that has grown up around me. I am blessed. Well, good for you, Rachel. Um, you finally, oh, she must be in Oregon. Here it is, Bend, or uh, Bend, Oregon, she, because now she does reference. She says, you finally started saying Oregon right. <laughs> Oregon, laugh out loud. <laughs> She's referring to, oh gosh, this has been a while. Um, I, I uh, debated with myself uh, out loud. Do you, do you say Oregon, Oregon? And uh, I've been uh, saying it the right way, I guess. <laughs> Oregon. Um at, at this pace, I should catch. Oh, and I found your podcast on Spotify. At this pace, I should catch up by the new year. Thanks again, Rachel C. Well, Rachel C., I guess that means I need to keep putting out some episodes, episodes for all of you and uh, uh, to listen to. Anyway, that is another. Uh, what is that? That's another episode concluded. Uh, that comes to a halt. Uh, how should we say that? Anyway, I'm just making up stuff on the spot. And uh, that's another episode of Sober Speak. As I always say, I take this uno semana at a time, one week at a time. I hope to be back next week. Uh, uh, may God bless you and keep you until then. Keep, keep coming back. It works if you work it.
<laughs> Love you guys. Thanks for listening in. Bye-bye.